More cases with an unknown infection source have cropped up across the country. The CCC reported 56 local infections on Wednesday. About a dozen have no workplace or geographic connection to known patients. The CCC says these cases are scattered widely throughout Taiwan and that it is time for the public to go on a heightened alert. With Tomb Sweeping Festival coming up, the CCC is asking people to take COVID precautions when visiting their ancestral graves. There were more than 80 cases yesterday and Monday, but quite a few could be traced to industrial zones. The 56 cases today were relatively scattered compared to the ones in the past. Taiwan's COVID spread is no longer limited to a few major clusters, the CECC said. Isolated cases are now cropping up across the country. So far, Jilong has been worst hit. What we're discussing now is launching a program in Jilong that's similar to general screening, a sort of community screening. In Jilong City, there's been outbreak after outbreak. 20 new cases were announced on Wednesday. None were connected to the pre-existing police station cluster or university cluster. Several were linked to a cluster at a local eatery. Ten cases were connected to the eatery. Three of them involved family members of known cases. The city had already closed down a university and high school after COVID cases were found there. On Wednesday, another outbreak triggered the closure of a junior high school. Outside of Jilong, cases were found in areas including Taidong, New Taipei, Taoyuan, Taichung, Jiayi and Kaohsiung. The CECC said it was investigating up to 19 transmission chains for their source of infection. Yesterday, we mentioned that there were 17 transmission chains. We've merged two of the cases to previous clusters, one to the cluster in Sanchong and one to the cluster at the Jilong Eatery. So that's minus two. Then add four new unknown chains from today, and that's 19. With Tomb Sweeping Festival up ahead, the CECC said no new restrictions would be imposed on upcoming activities, but it urged the public to go on a heightened alert. Over the Tomb Sweeping Festival, I recommend that everyone follow the rules to a T. Wear a mask, wash your hands frequently, maintain a proper social distance with people outside of your regular circle, and avoid crowding. Basic steps like that. Severe cases account for a relatively low proportion of the total. I am like all of you. When you see dozens of cases, you get very anxious. I get very anxious too. You can be anxious, but don't let yourself be terrified. With local cases on the rise, the CECC has decided against easing mask restrictions for karaoke parlors and restaurants for the month of April. It's asking the public to keep a face mask on to help prevent the spread of the virus. In the first case of its kind, the government has agreed to pay compensation of six million Taiwan dollars for a death linked to a COVID vaccine. The case involves a Taipei woman in her 50s who died from a brain hemorrhage after receiving a dose of AstraZeneca. She had no prior chronic conditions. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said that a panel of experts determined that her claim was valid and that there was a direct relationship between the COVID vaccine and her death. The panel had convened earlier this month to review claims of vaccine-related injury and death. It awarded compensation in 7 out of 57 cases. Taiwan's vaccination rate currently stands at 83% for the first dose, 87% for the second, and 49% for the third. Prepare for traffic if you plan to travel south this coming long weekend. 
Police in Pingdong expect about 100,000 people to visit Kanding for the three-day Taiwan Music Festival. For local hotel operators, the holiday is a welcome bonanza. Many report that they're almost fully booked for the long weekend. The Taiwan Music Festival will be taking over Kanding this coming long weekend from April 1st to April 3rd. Big acts on the roster include Golden Melody Award winners 911, Fire X, and Amazing Show. The hype is real for the music festival, and many hotels in Kanding are already booked up. Over this four-day break, we are fully booked for the first day and the second day. The rooms were all taken about a month ago. Occupancy for April 2nd and April 3rd is over 90%. For April 1st and April 4th, we're more than 80% booked. Even with local COVID cases on the rise, music lovers are undeterred. Local hoteliers say they're getting more tourists this year because of the higher vaccination rate. Even on Liuqiu Island, where there are no major events, holiday bookings are booming. We're about 80% booked, but there are in fact lots of tourists who have inquired about bookings, but who are still waiting and seeing due to the COVID situation. Last year, the Taiwan Music Festival drew more than 40,000 participants. This year, its impressive lineup could attract more than 100,000 people, according to police. Traffic controls will be implemented to ease congestion in the area. At the five-way intersection on Feng Liao's Jianxing Road and at Yanshan Road, lane management and traffic diversion measures will be in place. Along Provincial Highway 26 toward Kending, the Motor Vehicles Office and environmental agencies will operate checkpoints to check for sobriety, speeding, and illegal vehicle modifications. With a music festival on and grave sweeping to unfold across the country, Pingdong police are bracing for days of heavy congestion. The DPP has named two more candidates for the year-end local elections. For the commissioner election in Yilan County, it will field Jiang Chongyuan, who is currently the mayor of Yilan City. For the commissioner race in Nanto, it's tapped former lawmaker Su Peihui. Let's hear from DPP Chairwoman Tsai Ing-wen. Honesty, diligence, and love for our homeland have become the guiding principles of the DPP administration. Over the past few years, Elan County has lost the prosperity it enjoyed in the past. We must win Elan back to bring Elan to its former glory. We will be fielding our most courageous and capable Jiang Chongyuan. Change was possible in Taichung's second constituency, and by nominating Tsai Peihui to run for Nanto Commissioner, we hope to show everyone that change is also possible in Nanto. To my four pledges, I would like to add a fifth one, no family involvement. Honesty is a basic principle for a politician with integrity. Since the 4-in-1 referendum yielded four no's, the approval ratings for the DPP and for me have continued to go up in Yilan County. In the future, I would still like to build up Nanto's network of roads. Also, for the people living at tourist sites, I would like to build mass rapid transit from Nanto to Uru. Nanto is a jewel at the center of Taiwan, but over the past 10 years, there hasn't been a single commissioner who has been able to make plans with vision. In Yilan County, the DPP is hoping to unseat the KMT incumbent Lin Zimiao. Over in Nanto, the battle will be between Tsai Peihui and KMT lawmaker Xu Shuhua. A magnificent full rack of pork ribs. The American dish is massaged with honey mustard sauce, goes into the oven, 
and comes out with a crispy skin, but an unexpected Taiwanese and Japanese twist. We use shiokoji marinade and also infuse it with some fruit and vegetable juices. Of course, we add a bit of five spice too, star anise, Sichuan pepper and Chinese cinnamon. Let's try the fish steak. Steeped in miso barbecue sauce and underneath an unexpected bath of milk dotted with vanilla pods in place of the classic cornstarch sauce. This menu is full of Japanese ingredients and flair. We're teaching them what ingredients are. Use good oil. What is clean oil? You can't have barbecue. How do you blanch items? We don't want lots of takeout. Obviously, we can't completely cut it out. But you have to choose the right takeout to keep healthy. The restaurant's founder, Japanese food importer Wang Yilang, got into the business to promote healthy eating and good ingredients. If you want a lighter rack of ribs, this is the spot to check out. The U.S. Senate has passed the America Competes Act, which contains a raft of pro-Taiwan provisions. The bill calls for regular arms sales to Taiwan and scholarships for Americans who want to study Chinese in Taiwan. It also calls for letting Taiwan officials in the U.S. display symbols of national sovereignty, such as Taiwan's flag. Last month, the House of Representatives had passed a different version of the legislation. The two versions must now be reconciled into a final bill to be sent to U.S. President Joe Biden. On New Year's Day in 2015, Taiwan raised its flag at its Twin Oaks estate in the U.S. for the first time since Taipei and Washington broke ties in 1979. At the time, the U.S. made clear its disapproval and asked that Taiwan not repeat the flag-raising ceremony. But with a new bill moving through Congress, it could be about to shift its stance. On Monday U.S. time, the Senate approved the America Competes Act in a vote of 68 to 28. The bill aims to enhance the U.S.'s international competitiveness and counter China's influence. It supports regular arms sales to Taiwan and backs Taiwan's meaningful participation in global organizations. It also urges active engagement in trade dialogue with Taiwan. Notably, the bill calls for letting Taiwan officials display symbols of national sovereignty, such as Taiwan's flag and military emblems. It also wants to end the outdated practice of referring to Taiwan's government as the Taiwan authorities. The bill recommends creating a fellowship program for the study of Mandarin Chinese in Taiwan. In Washington, both the ruling and opposition parties believe that Taiwan's role in the U.S. Indo-Pacific strategy should be elevated. They believe that Taiwan's flag, its national emblems, and its name should be allowed to be displayed on American soil. Symbolically, I think that's a major step forward. The scholar said the Senate bill was a mark of substantial progress in Taiwan-U.S. relations. Last month, the House of Representatives passed a version of the bill that contained key differences. One example is that only the House bill calls for renaming the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office so that it includes the word Taiwan. The House and Senate will need to negotiate a final version of the bill that can pass a vote in both chambers. The U.S. is elevating its relationship with Taiwan in a controlled manner. That means it's strengthening substantial exchanges that are within its scope of control. However, changes to official names have long been opposed by Beijing. So I believe that this bill could affect U.S.-China relations. Amid the Russia-Ukraine war, the U.S. is in need of assistance from China. Given the circumstances, I think that the U.S. will consider the various political factors and will want to avoid provoking Beijing.
With the war still raging in Ukraine, Washington has many considerations to weigh when mapping out its next steps on Taiwan. The government has postponed its decision on whether to raise electricity prices. The announcement was made Tuesday after the semi-annual meeting of Taiwan's Electricity Price Review Committee. Officials said that due to the high price of global crude oil, they would have had to raise power prices significantly had they made the decision on Tuesday. Instead, they plan to hold off on determining pricing until the end of June at the latest. During the review of electricity rates, one important decision made was to hold off on deciding pricing. We will continue to monitor the situation closely. After more than two hours of deliberations, Taiwan's Electricity Review Committee agreed to postpone its decision for the first time ever. Electricity rates will remain unchanged for all users for up to three more months. The Russia-Ukraine war is having a significant impact, and we think that in the short term, fuel prices will remain very volatile. We'll convene an extraordinary session within three months at the latest. Due to the Russia-Ukraine war, prices are very volatile. In the past month alone, they've risen and fallen by more than 50 percent. So it's hard to make predictions. The news was well received by business owners. Of course, that's good for our livelihood. When electricity rates go up, we have a tougher time staying afloat. It's a good thing. It really is a good thing. The government leaving rates unchanged is a blessing for us. It's great. The committee had reportedly considered and rejected three other options, raising rates for big industrial users only, raising rates for all users, or leaving rates unchanged. The committee will convene again by the end of June. With a power rate hike looming, industry groups are on edge. We at the National Federation of Industries hope that any hikes that come won't be above 2%. As for the losses that corporations could incur, we hope the government rolls out remedies for that. For example, chips, steel, metal and electronics firms are all automated. They need a lot of electricity. So of course, a higher power rate would pile on a lot of pressure. Just looking at these so-called major electricity consumers, we'll have to analyze in greater detail how high of a rate increase each group can tolerate. An increase to electricity rates could have a ripple effect on inflation, but with Thai power struggling under 40 billion NT in losses, officials say there is no easy solution. Taiwan has taken the top prize at the so-called Olympics of Bread in Paris. At the Coupe du Monde de la Boulangerie, bakers competed in four categories. The highest total score went to Taiwan's team of pastry chefs who beat out 10 other teams. Let's hear from an industry representative in Taiwan. This is the first time that Taiwan won the group title. It really wasn't an easy feat. Just now, many of us in the industry were watching the live stream. We're extremely touched, especially when they showed the national flag. Just wow, Taiwan was able to shine on the international stage. We're so moved. Some of us even cried. They are the pride of Taiwan, the pride of our baking industry. There were three other bakers, there were three bakers on Taiwan's team, and each competed in a different category. Baguettes and breads of the world, sweet Viennese pastries, and artistic design. Each baker placed first in his respective category. The three then competed as a team in the gourmet baking category and placed first as well to score the gold trophy for Taiwan. 
This year marks the 160th anniversary of Taipei's Tantri Port. The harbor opened for trade in 1862 under the Treaty of Tianjin. Ten years later, Canadian missionary George Leslie Mackay sailed through that port into Taiwan, where he set up churches, schools, and a hospital that still stands today. To celebrate the anniversary of Danzhui's storied port, a team from a local university has released a short documentary using historical documents and aerial footage to bring the film to port's history to life for the general public. Danzhui. 拥有独特的河海山城老故事，曾是全台最大国际商港，风光一时。The narrator tells the tale of Dunshui Port with help from aerial footage and historical images and documents. This 10-minute film was released on the 160th anniversary of Dunshui Port and the 150th anniversary of George Mackay's arrival in Taiwan. The film was produced by Professor Lin Xincheng and his team at Danjiang University's Department of Information and Library Science. This happens to be the year 2022, which is the 160th anniversary of the opening of Danjui Port. So around September and October of last year, we began shooting for this film. The film was mainly the work of two scholars. Lin handled the copywriting and data collection. While his partner directed and edited the film, with meticulous care, they put together an easy-to-understand narrative that's accessible even to primary school children. I had to capture the main points within the span of 10 minutes. I had to cover all the important content. I had to present the essence of events that unfolded over so many years. Lin's academic background is in the sciences. He completed a PhD in electrical engineering at National Taiwan University, before taking a teaching post at Dunjiang University's Department of Information and Library Science. As a professor, he put his technical acumen to use, setting up a wiki platform for the Dunshui River Basin. The students' thesis topics can be a bit distant from the public's immediate concerns. Our hope was to bring about, to shift it toward content that could be embraced by the general public. We wanted it to be accessible even to primary and secondary school students, to turn that content into curriculum for the public. Lin's team plans to follow up on the film on Danshui Port with one new release each year. Slowly but surely, they intend to unravel the fascinating stories of the Danshui River Basin. We now turn to the humble blueberry. Most of Taiwan's blueberries are imported, but one man in Hualien is doing his best to change that. Mr. Tian is a part-time blueberry farmer who happens to be growing the biggest blueberries you've ever seen. Some are bigger than a 50 NT coin, and his good luck is largely due to chance. Now he wants to spread his knowledge and build a network of blueberry growers across Taiwan. Wow, Your eyes are not deceiving you. It really is that big. These two blueberries, round and plump, look like a pair of normal blueberries that have been magnified. Put to the test, an average blueberry is just 14.5 millimeters wide, little more than one centimeter. By contrast, these bad boys are 32.7 millimeters wide, twice as big, and they're still growing yet. 32.6. So, 还可能继续长。
these giant blueberries grow in Hualien's Ji'an Township, single-handedly cultivated by blueberry farmer maestro Mr. Tian. This bush is called Lola. I named it myself. I picked it out from more than 400 seeds over two years ago. The farmer says he's very lucky. Two years ago, he planted over 400 blueberry saplings. This one just happened to grow berries that were off the charts to his surprise and delight. He's not even a professional farmer, more of a hobby gardener. His interest in blueberries is a coincidence too. He never thought it would become his passion like this, consuming three years in a blueberry fever. I was amusing myself with gardening for a decade or so. Whenever I moved the pots, they were so heavy. The soil is so heavy. Then I discovered the soil for blueberry trees is lighter. The pots are easy to move, and then you have the berries to eat as well. So I got hooked on them. The blueberry is a highly nutritious but low-calorie fruit, containing the antioxidant anthocyanidin. Most blueberries in Taiwan are imported. The key to spotting which berries are fresh, says Tian, is a pastel powder on their skin. The powder is what it uses to protect its fruit, so when it's missing, the fruit goes bad very fast. What you have to look for is first how much powder there is, and if there's a lot, it means the fruit is fresh enough. Tian is very generous with his knowledge, offering to share tips on how to grow gigantic blueberries yourself. He'd like to have a network of blueberry buddies with whom to share skills and growing techniques so everyone can grow more and more luscious fruit together.